0: D20 Radio,
1: your game is rolling. 20 radiocom Hello?
0: Is anybody out there? Can anybody hear me? This is a transmission from the Night's World.
1: Welcome to our second episode of Transmissions from the Ninth World, the podcast focused on Monty Cook's Numenera RPG. With me again, I'm your host, David Brown, and with me again is Eric Coates. Howdy. And Jim Ryan. Greetings. Thank you, gentlemen, for being here.
2: Always a pleasure.
0: I was in the neighborhood.
1: (laughs) All right, so a bunch of stuff going on in Numenera since we last spoke. Um, so we're going to start out with a, a new section we're going to call Newman era in the news. Um, and the, of course, the first, the biggest news is that Monty has released to uh, his playtest to anyone in the digital uh, entries that were, that were of the level to re- be part of the play test. And he also opened a open play test call for which I was a lucky uh, recipient. So Yay. I am in the play test. I'm I'm really stumbling tonight, um, but uh, very excited. That's why I'm stumbling. So, um, obviously, leading this podcast um, and being in the play test, I have to be uber careful about what to say and not to say. My good friends here will make sure that I don't say anything that's out of bounds, so I don't break the NDA.
0: Yep, we got the cattle prods ready. <laughs>
1: Nice, nice effects. All uh, effects. you gotta have sound effects. So, but um, I am excited. Um, I've been reading over the material, and uh, he did say that we can comment generally on it. And hey, it's a really good system. I'm really excited about it. What he's put together is really nice, and I think everybody uh, is going to have lots of fun with it. So, and I'm hoping to play do my first Skype game sometime this week, and um, hopefully that goes well. And I'll definitely give you back a, a report as much as I can uh in vagaries but uh still uh, say if it went well or not. Um but uh very excited about that so that's that's big news. Awesome you get to tease people mercilessly <laughs> absolutely I will and I will do that nonstop. Although luckily most both of you guys will probably be in a, a playtest so it's all good. And then you will have to sign NDAs. Ha <laughs> ha no <laughs> yes yes. Alright so So that's obviously our big news, and and we're all very excited about that. And Way to go, Monty. Good job, and and uber excited. So um, another big point of news is he did release the add-ons form uh, for people who uh, added on to their uh, pledge to get some other items. So that's come and gone. So if you had not gotten a chance to fill that out, you might want to follow up with Monty directly um, because I'm sure uh, he's missing your add-on information. Um, so other than that, there's been lots of good articles. There was a interview with the artist that's, uh, come and gone. And, um, uh, what else was there? Uh, some more information on, uh, one of his recent play tests. He's been releasing tidbits of, uh, kind of narrative from some of the play tests that he's been leading. And that's been very interesting. Uh, we may cover that in a future episode, so we're not going to get into it here. So another tease, ha, ha, ha,
2: ha But you can go out and read it yourself. I mean it's out Yeah, there. obviously. no, that's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's a minor tease. It's just kinda yeah, like a tease, go true. read it, gosh darn it. Because it's good stuff.
1: Yes, it is good stuff. Very good stuff. So today's episode is largely gonna focus on uh an area um on character creation in uh Numenera. Um and Monty's released uh, a few of his early articles um to but while the Kickstarter was still going about those topics. Um uh, specifically uh, character creation basics and another one uh, stats and training in Numenera. So we're going to go over those articles tonight and discuss uh, what, you know, what, what gets us excited about character creation in Numenera. So any gentlemen, anything on the top side of of what you've seen uh, that, that you're excited about?
2: I, I love the simplicity huh. of it. I mean, I think, it's one thing in most systems; you, you, they kind of um, they kind of don't let you think about your character, who your character is, and what your character is. They're more focused on the numbers, and I think that's one of the things that I really enjoy about the character creation here, kind of in Numenera, is it seems to focus a little bit more on a a nice narrative and gives you kind of an idea of where you, what your character is, what he's doing, and, and the world around him, in a way.
0: Very nice, very nice. Yeah, it's very cool. I actually, just looking at this article um, about the character creation basics, uh, one thing that struck me is that it seems like it might be a little bit almost a uh, Vincent Bickery uh, for any folks who are fans of Dogs in the Vineyard and games of that ilk. Um, which is cool because it looks like he's going to give folks lists of things that they can choose from, um, but also that just essentially define those characters in story terms and that you're looking at it from that angle. And so I do very much like the idea that uh, you've got more descriptors going on that give you things you can do rather than just solid numbers from the outset. Um, it's a little bit Vincent Bakery, a little bit sort of fate for folks that are into the fate system. Uh, oh, yes, yes. As, as far as just what strikes me in the uh, – uh, just looking at it at first. So it's going to be really cool to see how that comes out.
2: Very yeah. cool. I, I too, I, I'm I'm really impressed with the whole – like like you said, it has a lot of uh, – it looks very rooted in kind of like a fate-type thing, the aspects of fate to where it's like those things drive the mechanics as opposed to the mechanics driving those things. And that's something to yeah. me is, is it's a huge separation from a lot of the other games out there that aren't real story-focused, that they're just so, so driven by those numbers. And, and it's so freeing to see something that's kind of just, it exists, and those things let the numbers be what they are. Absolutely. Yeah. Now I
0: should say that I I don't think necessarily that the number driven games are a bad thing. Oh per yeah. <laughs> no. No.
2: They have their place. They uh, certainly have their
0: uh, place. Sure. We've been playing numbers
1: based games for ages and been enjoying them thoroughly. But you know, I, I think I think something I've learned is as you've mature in a role playing game context and, and want to grow and go in different directions. One area you may choose to go and you may love, you know, number crunchy ones and that be your bread and butter. But I think I've found more recently being more entranced in playing the more story driven stuff, Um, I finally, I got a chance to run a fiasco game for actually my in-laws the other night who wanted to know what, what all this interest in, of mine in role-playing game was. So I played it with my wife and um, her sister and brother-in-law and it was, it was a blast. It was um, was a really fun thing to do. And, and I, I could really see Numenera, although it has a heavier genre uh, feel to it than, than like a fiasco type game does, uh, I still can see a lot of those strong storytelling elements that Mani is cooking
0: up in this. Uh, Fiasco is a great gate, gateway drug in the first place as well. Absolutely, <clears throat> It's an attempt to try to breathe. <laughs> I need oxygen. Hold on, just go <laughs> get some. It so, um, getting into the article, um, the
1: the Numenera uh, character creation basics. Um, he he's saying how he's. Intending character creation in Numenera to be quick and easy, it's intended that you can do it in a very short amount of time so you can get people playing more quicker. And obviously him having the uh, character creation tool like uh, app, like we mentioned last time, um, I think will also really facilitate that. But I think even the idea the fact that he's his core concept is uh, you construct a sentence that describes your character. In doing that, he he talks about it that you say, I am a blank, blank, who is blank. Uh, and going a little further into that, uh, I am a descriptor matched with a type who has a focus. So let's talk about the types first of all, because that's kind of the noun. That's the central part there. Um, he's mentioned those three types in, in a pretty – detail in the Numenera Kickstarter information. Um, the the three types are glaives, nanos, and jacks. Um, glaives, Eric, you, you describe glaives a little bit.
2: Well, glaives are really going to be your traditional fighter. I mean, that's what everyone looks at as their uh, meat shield, bread and butter character. They're the ones that go out. They're the ones that are in the front of everything. They're They're typically... The ones that are going to be dealing the damage uh just outright, not like behind the scenes working anything they're just there in your face,
1: <laughs> sure, and then we come to nanos go ahead and you you just you're you're a good describer you describe it.
2: <laughs> well nanos are your your characters that um they're the magicians uh i mean if if we're looking at kind of like traditional d and d tropes. Um, they are the magicians of the world but particularly when it comes to nanos they are they have the ability to really focus on like the items and stuff that are are around them when they speak of nanos uh, that's just uh, that's, that's a term kind of in game I guess you might say of the items that people might find and uh, they have the ability to utilize them better than anybody else and those Those things that they can do are magical in the sense to this world because of the fact that they're so far in the future that they are more medieval than futuristic. And so these items have magical qualities now, even though it's technology.
1: Sure. And, you know, I don't think this is a foreign concept. You know, when we play D&D type games, nine times out of ten, you're exploring an ancient ruin. Obviously, it's a ruin from a a, a time before. So a lot of times mm-hmm. we're gathering magic items from uh, some great empire that lasted before the time that you're playing in. So it's very similar, I think, in that kind of context. So the idea is as a nano is someone who is much more attuned to figuring out how to use that and to, you know, essentially do magic. And it goes back to the, the, the Clark principle that we discussed last time. Uh,
0: help me with this, Jim. Oh, the uh... – Oh yes, now of course I don't have the exact quote in front of me because uh, <laughs> I, I've just been busy going and getting oxygen to make my, <laughs> make my lungs feel better. Now,
2: how dare you uh, breathe, but, Jim? <laughs> uh, yes,
0: yes. Oxi- uh, you No, know, they tell you oxygen's for losers, and that you can go ahead and take your helmet off. But it's all lies. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> the uh, the gist of it is that uh, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic.
1: Right. So uh, that's the key role for a nano is to manipulate that type of advanced technology in a magical type way, and then we come to the jacks. Again, Eric, please describe the jacks.
2: Well, the jacks are, as they say, and and I don't want to give them a bad notation, but they are they are the bards of, of the uh, wow. The nano, really, you going to? I know. I know that jacks. that has that that word maybe is a stain on society, but. I've actually always liked Bards. I, I've thought that the concept of them, albeit they have very rarely been pulled off nicely, I think that their concept and the idea behind them is very sound, and I like it. I mean, the Jack is kind of like, as, as it states, Jack of all trades. He can kind of do a little of everything. He's all over the place. Uh, he probably particularly is going to be more geared towards uh, the roguish type mm-hmm. um, of player and and... I, I think I would probably prefer playing either the jack or the nano, in, in my in my own preferences. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. they, they are the roguish bardish type character of the setting, where they can do a little bit of what the Glaives do, but they can also do a little bit of what the nanos do, and they're kind of like just in the middle there. They're the middle ground,
1: right? Well, and I also think that when we talk about the stats coming up, um, it, it 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 equates pretty well. There are three main stats in. Numenera, and I think when we get to that, we can talk about how you'll see that that each of these three types really is going to align with the three main stats.
2: Yeah, so, absolutely.
1: Um, so we'll get get into that to in a moment. So basically, the type is going to set the basis for what your stats will be. That'll set the kind of the the ground base floor for you know your your starting numbers in your stats, and then. And it'll also give you some information on what you're trained in and good at, but then it's going to help give you your background and starting equipment so that's that's what type is really going to entail and And you'll see that that when the time comes and that that information is released that those stats are obviously higher. one of the three stats is going to be higher when you start in one of those three categories or types. sorry so before the type though comes the descriptor, and they're pretty cool. Um, He's saying that there'll be a dozen or so and it'll just tell you something about the character's talents, personality, or a particular way of doing things. So what I find is cool is that it's kind of a – kind of equates to like a, a theme in some of the D&D settings. It kind of gives a flavor to your character and the fact that it can go on any of the three types really kind of suggests a lot of – kind of a matrix of the types of things you can do. So in, in the article, this, the, the example said be, it might be something straightforward, like strong or something big, more nuance. Sorry, a bit more nuanced, like sneaky. Um, it's going to provide some skills and things of that nature, perhaps modify your stats and starting equipment. Descriptures uh, also help to find how you got involved with other PCs and got to the point to where you start your first adventure, which I think is very interesting. Um, so, so for example, strong. Say strong is one of them. You could have a strong lave. You could have a strong nano. You could have a strong jack. What that flavor of that descriptor will make those three different roles very different, don't you think?
2: Well, I, I yeah, think absolutely. just because, yeah, you're 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 combining them with that. You're giving the descriptor, which is going to apply something to the actual type. And I think by combining those two, you're going to kind of like see it, uh, defining the character outside of what it normally would be like, like, like a strong nano is going to really be kind of almost like multi-classing in a way. I mean, if you think about it, that's almost like multi-classing as part of a glaive. Cause at least I'm assuming, um, cause I would imagine that a glaive would be strong innately. Sure. And so, I almost see the scriptor as almost kind of a thing that is allowing you to multi-class and, and further define your character um, in the setting. I, th- I think it pretty nice. Sure. Yeah. And I, th- I think you
1: could see that there would be the opportunity for min maxing. If someone chose specifically a strong glaive per, per, per chance, but right. I think it's an equally acceptable option to do the strong Jack or the strong nano. And it may be, Changes that flavor of the character ever so slightly.
0: It'll be interesting to see once the descriptors are nailed down, because right off the bat, just in that first part of the sentence, you're going to have 36 combinations, mm-hmm. at least if they
1: go with a dozen descriptors way to go with the permutations there, Jimbo.
0: <laughs> I can multiply. <laughs> He's um, mathing it
2: up tonight.
0: <laughs> I'm mathing it all up. But uh, yeah, you can, uh, you've got at least 36 combinations. If you go with that initially, and that's just the first part of the sentence. So Absolutely. It's, even in there, you've got a lot of variation, and so, it's going to be very interesting to see how you can apply those different so descriptions. Pretty much you're
2: saying there's 36 character classes right there.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Very> <laughs> that was a so. foci. I mean, you know, that's well, a yeah. bigger number. Then,
2: and then you're, blowing you're blowing it all out of like, the doors.
0: You, gotta, you, you multiply twice. <laughs> <laughs> then
1: you go further, and, you know, you look at the other one that he's putting down here, Sneaky. You know, a sneaky glaive, a sneaky nano and a sneaky jack. Well, a sneaky jack sounds like it would, you know, be logical.
2: That's a jack they're, jack.
1: They're quick and and move, you know, move, move quick and, and do things agilely. Is that a word?
0: Agile. Agilely is in fact a word. Sir. Thank you. Thank
1: you. <laughs> uh, then, then, you know, that would make sense. But a, a sneaky glaive, that would be, that would be an interesting combo. Or a sneaky nano, I I, I could see lots of possibility. I think people are going to find that maybe some uncondi- unconventional combinations are going to make for some really fun playable
2: characters. Do you agree? No, absolutely.
1: <laughs> okay, so
0: no, I'm going to be argumentative. I'm just yeah, going to Jim's say Jim's going no. to veto it all. He's going to be like,
2: no, <laughs> right. no, no, not you at all. Be
0: the voice absolutely of unreason. Not. That's right. <laughs> So I
1: so do agree. That coming around this, the statement, um, we talk about the focus. He um, said the, the he has the foci are numerous and really define your character, making it something very special. Some of these are like professions or, or re- areas of training, making it clear that your character is a leader, a weapons master, or a rugged wilderness wandering. Uh, others are like superpowers, like welding fire or creating illusions. Foci are some of the best expressions of Numenera in the game and might arise from the use of nanotechnology, genetic experimentation, mutations, or any other number of sources. Foci grant your character new, specific, and unique abilities. They also present you with a way to have a special link with one or more of the PCs in your game. Okay, so Foci, um, he's, he's rattled off a couple in here that could be potentials. Um, and I, I think that you could have some interesting combinations on those. Uh, so say you had a sneaky nano who is a leader. I mean, that just seems weird.
2: I, I don't know. I don't know that it seems no, weird. Because if you think I, about the one guy that knows how to use all technology, those, the, everyone's probably going to look at him and go, yeah, I don't want you to uh, destroy me and, and kill the world, so yeah, you you can be my boss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have no problem with that, because I don't want to oppose you.
1: You be the Doctor Doom of this world,
2: it's okay. Yes, yes that's alright. Yes. I will just do as you say, as long as I can exist.
1: Um, so, let's go back over some of those mentions. Professions or areas of training, a leader, uh, a weapons master, um rugged wilderness wandering um i like the ideas of superpowers wielding fire creating illusions so you know i could imagine a smart smart nano who creates illusions you know i could definitely see some combination like that being uh being available or a um uh, they said
2: uh, earlier on he talks about like wields gravity itself or like commands mental powers
1: that's right that's right so yeah, I mean, it'd be kind of fun to play a sneaky jack who we you know measures gravity it's, or manipulates gravity itself. That would I, be.
2: I think playing a glaive like like a, like a, a like a strong glaive that masters as gra- a master of gravity or something like that. Uh. <laughs> Just this big bulky fighter guy that like points at you and and throws you up in the air and then you come down and he bats you with his big club or something. Nice.
0: Yeah can hit you like an avalanche at that point. Yep. Nice.
1: <laughs> I like, I like that he puts in here that it might arise from the use of nanotechnology, genetic experimentation, mutations, or any number of other sources. So I think that that would really add to what you're delivering up is that you kind of come up with these methods of, well, how did my character get this ability or, or obtain this type of thing? Um, I think if that's dealt with, that'll be really kind of fun to, to help define your character right from the get go. Yeah.
2: Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
1: Um, so, you know, that, that is pretty much the, the straightforward how to build a character. in that is, you know, I am a blank blank who blanks. Okay. So we went over the descriptors, the types and the foci. So I'm going to challenge you guys. what, kind of character do you if you had any choice available and you know monty would give you the rules to explain how to play that type of character what would be your descriptor what would be your type and what would be your focus and i know focus is going to be a little bit harder because it's probably a little out there but based on some of the ideas that we've got now just come up with something so i'm gonna throw the throw the limelight on
0: you first jim okay um i have been thinking about this a little bit um, and, uh, not knowing a huge amount yet, I'm kind of falling back on other fiction that I've read. I have read The Amber Monolith, and so I kind of got the feel for some things in there. Um, and, uh, my thought sort of lit on a character type that shows up in, uh, again, I'm going to go back to the well of Gene Wolfe, um, <laughs> Uh, Specifically in the Book of the Long Sun, there's uh, this priest that knows the forbidden art of black mechanics, Um, essentially uh, is able to go back and reprogram uh, robots and uh, computers and things of that nature, things he's not supposed to know how to do. And uh, so going from that concept, and I've always liked the idea for some reason in in Uh, futuristic fiction that comes up from time to time of a character that's essentially in holy orders but is related to the machine life in some way. So what that led me to think was maybe uh, the descriptor would be something like uh, either secretive or Mm. two-faced. The type would be nano. And uh, the focus would be Uh, something related to uh, interacting on a spiritual level with machines. And so I guess I would say uh, I am a two-faced nano who gives machines religion. Mm -hmm. Hmm.
1: Very interesting. Interesting. Eric?
2: Well, I think uh, I'll I'll stick with some of the conventional myself. (laughs) Um, I really think that I would like to play personally – like a a sneaky Jack who is master of illusions, because I think that that, you know, being able to be stealthy and sneak around and, and make people think they see things that they don't see, uh, would be just fun.
1: (laughs) That's cool. That's very cool. I think I, myself, I was kind of thinking a, a sneaky Jack too. We should have collaborated here. Um, But, um,
2: (laughs) no, now you must come up with new one. Yes. I This is like
0: where you go to a party wearing the same dress. Yes. Yes. We do. Uh, And that just happens
2: all the time. Unfortunately.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Between him and I, we
1: certainly do that all the time. The same Um, wardrobe. So, uh, I I would have to say to, to change it up a little bit, I'd probably like to do kind of a, um, smart glaive leader.
2: Hmm.
1: So I, I would think to do somebody who's kind of a almost chivalry, chivalrous type who. you going for um, Conan?
2: Is that who you're going for?
1: Yeah, I guess you could do Is Conan smart? I never really thought of him as smart. He well, becomes I mean, smart later on, apparently. Yeah. Does he? Yeah. Uh,
2: well, because he becomes a leader and all that kind of Yeah,
1: Yeah, I thought he led by might, though.
2: Well, you know. Initially, uh,
1: yeah, I guess I guess maybe I'm more kind of Arthurian, you know, kind of wanting to, you know, lead by, you know, intelligence and, um, you know, back it up with a sword. I want to be Teddy Roosevelt.
2: Uh, ah, yeah. <laughs> that could the interesting uh, alternative to that is that could very well be kind of like a uh, you could consider a strong kind of play, play nano who is like master of words or something like that.
1: or Master of Tactics. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, it's definitely some good
1: permutations and hopefully at some point, you know, Monty may release more to the the general public and we'll be able to talk in some more specifics about those. But before we wrap things up, we do want to, we did talk about um, stats and training and luckily there's not a whole lot to say here, but um, he did release what those main stats are and there's three of them. And what I like is they kind of align fairly well with the ones we're used to in the in uh, uh, oldest role-playing game known to man um, kind of way, but it kind of simplifies them. So the three stats are might slash health, speed slash agility, and intellect slash personality. Now, we certainly can see how those kind of align with some of those other games' stats, if you know what I'm saying. But you certainly, I can also see how those align with the types. So, if might health would be the strong, the lead stat for a glaive, speed agility the lead stat for a nano for a jack. I'm sorry, and intellect personality being the lead stat for a nano. So, um, but but the nice thing is that's the lead stat. That doesn't mean it has to be. It doesn't even have to be the highest one. But based on picking one of those types. Uh, I believe what he's suggesting is that one of those will be higher than the others.
0: Yeah. And so, for example, if I was going to go with my, um, I was going to say electric monk, which is actually, that's more Douglas Adams, that's another, uh, 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 nice. uh, uh, actually that is another, uh, thing that provided inspiration for that character. idea. Now that I think about it, uh, Douglas Adams, he's in my DNA. Hmm. Those are his initials, but I digressed. Um, is that, uh, for the uh, sort of uh, two-faced priest type I was going to put together, I would go with intellect personality as his main thing. Sure, sure, and that aligns well. Um, so he
1: he describes how any action taken by a player character in a game can be assigned to a stat. Jumping is a might action, dodging is an, uh, is a, an attack is a speed action, tucking your way past a guard is an intellect action, and so on is only really relevant, however, if the action in question is one the player really wants to focus on. Uh, to do this, he or she spends points from the relative stat to put effort into the action. This makes the action easier to do and thus more likely to succeed. Uh, points from the stats can be regained, of course, but it's a f- finite resource. Thus, a player should only put effort into actions important to them. One of the things he's talked about um, before in, in, one of the, in one of these articles is that one of the things he wants in Numenera is that you don't have to stat everything. You don't, everything doesn't have to take a lot to do. Um, Some things, if it makes sense for your character to be able to do, then they just do it. Um, Yeah. So what he's saying is if this, if this is something that is really important to the plot of the story to move forward and that it does have a potential chance to fail, then you're going to need to put some effort into it to help it fail. And it's, it's almost a little bit like a, a betting on yourself,
0: a little um, effort to help it fail.
1: No, I'm sorry, <laughs> I did say that. <laughs> a little effort to help <clears throat> it succeed. Thank you. Um, Excellent. <laughs> so, so in a way, I think from what I'm reading here, it, it seems like what you're going to have to do is kind of bet based on a, on a finite resource. How much effort is needed to, to get you over the hump to make that happen? Um, yeah, the good thing I is, like, is I that, like
2: that there's pools. I really like well, that, that the fact that they're like pool systems.
1: Right. And we've talked about pool games being, you know, a lot of fun and not billiards pool, but you know, pool style games and that you, you have resources that you can spend. But as he said, it's a finite number of, of resources. So you're, you're going to have to pick choose. Yeah, right. <laughs> like yeah. You're going P- to
0: pick choosely yes. Yes, you're gonna have to pick choose. You're going to have to pick. Picking choose is important. Yes. You're going to have to pick carefully. So, um,
1: usually uh, is also
0: a word just so you'll know you're good uh, <laughs> our, our wordsmith Jim
1: so um <laughs> you, cer- them out. <laughs> you, you certainly can uh do that type of uh, uh betting based on yourself and I, I think that's going to be a fun mechanic to play with
0: yeah I like the idea of that just simply because um it's very cool to have that uh permission essentially to do other things um but good. you do have Just this core of your character, this is my character's thing, this is what he does, and be able to activate that mechanically when you need to.
1: Yeah, and and he gets into that specifically in training. So training goes into reducing the difficulties of task. For example, if you're an experienced climber, climbing a steep, rocky incline is probably easier for you than someone who has never climbed before. If putting effort into an action makes it one step easier, then so does training. It works precisely the same way. It's possible to get two steps of training, and it's possible, of course, put effort into something you've trained to do. These things all stack. So he's giving you the tools to succeed. You just have to choose, you know, training's going to be off the top, so that's going to make it easier for you to begin with. But by putting a little bit more effort into it, spending some of your resources, you also see that that's spending some of your physical ability to do things. Um, I think it's like challenging yourself. Well, not challenging yourself. It's it's like pushing your own abilities to achieve something. Uh, think about a runner running a marathon. They would use up their speed and agility, putting forth more and more effort, even though they've had training to make it easier on them. Uh, I think this is a great concept. You guys?
2: I, I, like I said, I, I I really dig it. It's it's different from everything else that you typically play because of the fact that you have your pools of your abilities and you're able to spend those as effort and and all of that. And yeah, it's it's like mixing a little bit of resource management in uh, with a with with any other game. It allows you to uh, just pick and choose when you want to succeed. Maybe you're not doing so well, so you want to spend more effort. And uh, I I really like it being one of those people that fails quite often. I'm your uh, local uh, rolls of one all the time guy. Uh, I think that this is a nice method to kind of like uh, give those people a way out. <laughs>
0: well, story wise, is... it works out nicely as well. I mean, you've got I'm... the justification. Yeah, you know, my character was trained to do this, and right. there, yep. that. And again, this is this character's thing. Yep. Right. So that is what you should be doing well at in the story. I'm just trying to figure out, Eric, you talk like you know
1: from experience about a, a rolls of a one all the time kind of guy.
2: <laughs> well, that's, I, I, I do like you have that little name tag that you know, <laughs> it's underneath my name. In fact, uh, on my, uh, on my name tag for work, it just says always rolls of one.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Eric is notorious. That no strangely matter, specific. <laughs> no matter what dice he's using, no matter what aids, a dice tower, a yep. box, a, you know, there marismizer. is no saving me. He still rolls low. It's incredible. But yet he still makes compelling characters with that hindrance that he has on his own person.
2: I just, just always like look forward to rolling that one every time. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sometimes you think, hey, this will just get it out of the way. But we know better than that, Eric.
2: We know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, you know, on a side note, if if we have a game where we're supposed to roll low, I roll high.
1: <laughs> that is true that it's <laughs> absolutely true
2: so at least my luck is consistent <laughs> yes yes so um
1: he talks about it also introduces a concept that he's calling an inability right now it's like the opposite of a skill it's a area in which your character does not excel he uses the example of a character maybe
2: t- rolling dice i think yeah right i think we already a covered it a t- character
1: particularly <laughs> bad with people clumsy these are represented in, in by inabilities the cool thing is, with training and inabilities, we can take a system that has only three broad stats and really flesh out a character. For example, you might have a good in, in, intellect stat. Intellect, of course, represents both in, intelligence and charm, but not everyone who excels in one does so in the other. So you might have a good intellect, but an inability with lore. This might suggest that you're smart and charismatic, but you're just not good with scholarly pursuits. Or imagine the opposite character. She's smart, educated, and even bookish, with training in all sorts of areas, but has an inability with personal interactions. She's better with books than people. I know people like that.
2: <laughs> yep. I think we all do.
1: So you know, I I love the the inclusion of of kind of a hindrance. I think wasn't it GERP that that had hindrances as a main thing and, and uh uh, uh. Girps had, uh,
0: yeah, grips has advantages and disadvantages. That's, that's, uh, I mean, there there have been things like that for ages. White Wolf has merits and flaws. Right. Savage Worlds, as you were saying, has uh, edges and hindrances. It's uh, There's been that kind of thing for quite a while.
1: Yeah, and, and I think that adds a lot to the characters to specifically define areas that you're not going to do well in. And it gives good flavor, and usually there's trade-offs that the more of a – more flaws or hindrances that you have to a certain extent, then you get a little bit of a more leverage to buy more, you know, training or whatever at creation time. So uh, I don't know if his game is going to run exactly that way, but um, you know, it's interesting. I think
2: I always like it when a system has methods for having both good and bad traits. I think that 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 is life period. I think that's basically good storytelling is that, a character that has all good stuff and no bad stuff is boring i mean who wants to really read about a guy who always succeeds at everything
0: i think you know? the real challenge here uh, in designing this um is going to be uh, and actually i'm sure he's already uh, met this challenge and and uh, probably knocked it over by now but uh, it, just looking at the the real challenge i think is in anything where you have a system with flaws uh, things of that nature is to make those flaws interesting and make it so that they do matter while you're playing. Right. And yeah, uh, so I'm going to be very interested to see how this comes out.
1: Yeah. And you know, and hopefully he gives enough of them and, and who knows maybe in future releases he adds more or I see, I see things like inabilities and training areas and stuff like that. Things that can be added, Yeah, you know, kind of randomly, not necessarily have to come out in a book, you know, maybe a blog post or maybe yeah. a some kind of update.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, that's always cool. And it's, I think the important thing is that uh, in just in games in general, um, uh, hindrances that you take shouldn't come up just because they're on your character sheet. They should come up uh, because it's something that is happening in the story that is related to your character. Sure. Um, sure. And, and actually works with what's going on. And so if 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 this does that, then that's going to be awesome
1: yeah i'm I'm hopeful i'm i'm very very optimistic, so wrapping it up, does anybody have any ending comments on character creation from what we've talked about? We've talked about the types, the descriptors, the foci the the three main stats, and followed it up with talking about training and inabilities.
2: I just think it's nice to see so much packed in so little. Right.
0: Yep, I just used up all my uh, all my extra brain cells on that last speech. <laughs>
2: and your oxygen apparently
0: too. That too, yes. I'm sorry. I need to take another hit of oxygen. Excuse me. Nice.
1: Nice. Is it flavored oxygen? I had some of that out in Vegas. <laughs> so tastes <we're>... like Canada.
2: <laughs>
1: mm. Maple syrup. Okay. So, um Poutine. Uh that about wraps our show up. Um I think uh, we covered some good information here and obviously we're, we're trying our best not to run out of information before, um, you know, as we go on, but hopefully we'll have a a slightly more frequent uh, podcast coming in the future. Um, Next time we are planning to discuss experience points and how the GM works in Numenera, two of his other early articles. Um, So you're more than welcome to read in advance. Um, Obviously I do kind of do my best to kind of cover them or even out and out, read them out <laughs> during the, the episode to make sure that we're all on the same page and discussing based on what Monty has shared. Um, but uh, that's what we're looking to cover next time. And um, again, we we do uh, we did get our forum section up on d20radio.com. Thank you, gentlemen, for that. So please feel free to reach us on there. Um, we also have a Gmail oh, – sorry, yeah, we have a Gmail – account transmissions from the ninth world at gmail.com as well as a google plus page transmissions from the ninth world Uh, you can do a search on us and we have been we've been at it to itunes yet where are we on that
2: eric um i have not gotten an email from the uh, apple folk yet so they they are reviewing
1: us so hopefully by the time you hear this or very soon afterwards, we will be listed in iTunes as well. So, um, Huzzah. Huzzah. Yeah. Huzzah. Um, so we're, we're certainly moving up in the world and it's certainly largely due to our experience with D20 radio and the, the guys there are helping out. So, uh, please listen to the other D20 radio podcasts and, um, you know, let them know if you want to hear more from them or more from us and please send us some feedback. We certainly, Um, are are eagerly awaiting some. uh, And I guess that's a wrap for the show. Cool. So, guys, y'all have a good one, and we'll see you on the next transmission. Adios.
2: Thanks for listening.
1: Transmissions, Transmissions from the Ninth world, world podcast, podcast is not, not affiliated with Monty, Monty Cook Games. Cook it has been produced under, under the Creative Commons, Commons license and is, and is for entertainment and information purposes only. Music, music provided by, by Kevin Ken McLeod. Transmissions, Transmissions from the Ninth World is a proud affiliate of the D twenty radio. radio group.